Hey, everybody. I'm your host, Taylor Rooks. In this episode, I sat down with my friend and Las Vegas Raiders tight end, Darren Waller, to talk about the NFL taunting rule, which none of us like, the players he wouldn't mind being traded for in fantasy, his latest rap album, and what it's like staying sober in a place like Las Vegas. This is Taylor Rooks and Darren Waller. Enjoy. I have a crazy story about not necessarily the studio, but this, like, right underneath us in this parking lot. Mm-hmm. Tell me. Um, so last time I parked in this parking lot, there's a guy who's, like, pretty much, like, one of my OGs out here now. His name's Paul. Shout out to Paul. He lived in the underground tunnels, like, homeless underneath Vegas for, I think he said, three years. And he goes down there now. He has a foundation called Shine Light. And he goes and gets people out. And I went down with him one weekend. And we parked in this parking lot and went, like, underneath the bridge right here. And we're underneath the sewer tunnels walking around giving supplies to like homeless people that live down there. So I'm like, when you sent me this, I was like, this seems really- I've been here. Yeah. yeah. Okay. First thing, that's amazing. But I have a bunch of questions. All right. First off, did not know there were underground tunnels in Vegas where a lot of yeah. people live. Did you know that before you came here? No, I did not. Okay. So talk to me about that. I mean, like everybody else, I thought only the strip existed in Vegas. Yeah. So meeting this guy, Paul, he's been really helpful as far as like my recovery journey. Yeah. And- I went down there with him and there's like 1,500 people living down there. And we brought him supplies like batteries and socks and snacks and water and stuff like that. And there's people down there living and we came across this one guy, they were trying to get him to come out, but he was like, nah, I'm comfortable. Like, I'm not leaving here. So he was just like comfortable living down there and they have just their own ways and they don't have to interact with people. You know, they've probably Mm -hmm. been hurt in some way by the world that they want to live in that place and they feel like that's a good place for them. So yeah, it was a incredible, just from my perspective. Yeah, that's so interesting to think like their comfort is coming from this thing that we probably like can't even fathom. They're like, well, this is kind of my reality now and I'm okay in this moment. So so Darren Waller, NFL tight end, goes down in these tunnels. Were there any reaction from people like, is that him or were most people unaware? Nah, you know, they were just kind of like, what y'all doing? Like what y'all, what y'all want? Yeah, it's like its own community. Right. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's amazing. You went down there and helped. Have you only gone once? Are you going to go more? Uh, I've only been once. Okay. Probably when the offseason comes around, I'll go down there again. You know, it's yeah. uh, it's just incredible. I want probably want to bring some of my teammates or somebody with me, you know. I love that. Okay, so I have one more question about it because this is so interesting to me. So this guy you're saying is your OG. How did you meet him? I got connected with him through, there's a Ford dealership that uh, I have a, you know, partnership with out here. Yeah. And they do a lot of charity work. And they work with this guy and his foundation. And I met, so I met Paul and then I was like, I was like, it's like a real dude. And then he invited me to like some meetings out here and just hanging around, you know, like-minded people. Yeah. And he's really been, become somebody that I lean on. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love this. You have just become, I feel like such an important figure um, in this community for Vegas. Every time I've told somebody I'm coming to your interview, they get incredibly excited. There's so much to dive into. I want to talk about all the stuff you've done with the community, your journey and all these things. But you know, there's something I have to get out of the way because everybody said, this needs to be the first thing you ask him about. This taunting call. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. How do we feel about this taunting rule? And will you ever spike a football again? Uh, the taunting rule, I feel like, is a little over the top. You know, yeah. I get why they may have thrown a flag on mine because mine was, like, on the opponent's sideline. So the ref, like, usually it's like, if you go on the sideline and you do something, like, they're instantly going to throw it. Yeah. So I was just, 
you know, hype because we had been struggling to that point. That was our first first down of the game. It was almost halftime. Yeah. So I was just like, let's go. Like, I was just like yeah. getting some frustration out. And they threw that, and I was just like, man, that's nuts. And I, then I spiked one, like, later in the game. Like, it wasn't as egregious, and it was, like, in the middle <laughs> of the field. And they came up to me, they were like, well, you got to chill out, you got to chill out. I'm like, nah, like. What? I can't be passionate and have fun and be exciting. That's my issue with the taunting rule is I feel like fans like seeing their favorite players get into it in that way. Right. And like feel aggressive and be pumped when you do something that's like a big, you know, momentum swing in the game. Like, do you almost feel like you're having to hold back your emotions a lot because that flag is going to come? I mean, I don't think I'm really going to focus too much on that. Maybe like yeah. not throw the ball crazy all over the place, but... I can still like just like drop the ball out and you still get up and you know yeah. kind of go crazy because I don't feel like a lot of people can relate to that level of emotion because we put so much into the game on a daily basis mm -hmm. and when you know it's a performance based industry so when we perform we're hyped like it's it's a lot more than just that play right there it's a lot mm -hmm. that goes into it yeah. and I don't think a lot of people can relate that's why they're so quick to to penalize or make it a bad thing when it's like really yeah. like I'm showing you that I really care about what I do yeah like I'm trying to win this. No, I love it. Okay, tell me, what was your welcome to the NFL moment where you were like, all right, this is different. Like, these these are the big boys. It was my rookie year in Baltimore, 2015. We were playing the Cleveland Browns, mm -hmm. and there was a safety on their team named Dante Whitner, mm -hmm. and he caught me over the middle on a crossing route. Hit me, he hit me in my chest and gave me a concussion. <laughs> You're like, yeah. oh, boy. It was off, is this going to be week like, in, week out? <laughs> just off the whiplash. And, like, yeah. I, like, crawled probably, like, five yards. Like, and I was like, nah, I got to get up. Like, <laughs> and just ran off the field and then went straight to the tunnel and my day was over with. So Yeah, you're like, get me in this blue tent. Like, this is not meant for me. Dante Winner. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so my mom was very excited about me doing this interview because you are her fantasy football tight end. Okay. Um, now, are you one of those players It's like, I do not care about fantasy do you like fantasy? Did you ever play fantasy? What's your What's your stance on it? Uh, I think I played fantasy twice in my life. Uh, mm -hmm. One time, I think I was in middle school, yeah. and that was the year Tom Brady blew his knee out the first game of the season. And so I was like, yeah, I'm not doing Did this Did you have again. Brady? Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> then you were done. Yeah, fantasy is like 75% luck. It drives me crazy, but I right. cannot stop playing it. And then I was uh, I was out the league in 2017, and a girl I was dating at the time, her family needed like one more body for a fantasy league. Yeah. And I was like, sure. And I picked my team. I thought they were good players, but I think I was like second to last in the <laughs> league. So I really didn't know what I was doing. I mean, that's that's kind of how it goes. That's kind of how it goes. Okay, so for people who are very into fantasy, you are obviously one of the top players. You get a lot of points. But tell me, like, five guys, you would be like, okay, I'm okay being traded for these guys. Because there was a trade controversy in my league for you. Someone didn't want to give you up, but someone really wanted to give up a lot of pieces to get you. So I'm just curious your stance. Like, who are some guys you'd be like, okay, I understand this trade. Um, I'll probably say just all those those running backs, you know? Yeah. Because they can rack up so many points with so many touches. Like uh, McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. Saquon Barkley. I mean, there's, there's yeah. so many that can just rack it up. Derrick Henry. Mm -hmm. So there's any of those running backs or, you know, a wide receiver that's just getting all kinds of targets. Or even like, I mean, any quarterbacks, like a Kyler totally. Murray. He's all doing all points. that crazy stuff. So yeah. yeah. Well, one thing I really like about tight ends, you know, in this day is you guys really are receivers, right? Like you are guaranteed points. You, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. Like it's, you get a lot of points from tight ends. How have you seen that position just evolve throughout your playing career? Um, it's just guys that can do everything that football requires, honestly. Because mm -hmm. you look at it, it's we got to block big defensive ends, mm -hmm. Khalil Max and Chase Youngs, week in and week out, Miles Garrett's, and then you got to run routes against defensive backs, 
that are fast and talented and you got to be, you know, quicker and stronger than linebackers as well. So it's like yeah. you got to be able to do all these skills that are already so hard in their own right. And you have to do what offensive linemen do and do what wide receivers do. Mm -hmm. So they're asking a lot of you. And we've just kind of added a athletic speed explosiveness element to it. It's not mm -hmm. just like a big, stocky, burly position anymore. Yeah, like you guys can do anything. Okay, so I'm going to name some receivers. You tell me what makes them special, okay? What makes Travis Kelsey special? Overall control. Like nobody is ever dictating the game to him. He's never running like 100 miles per hour. Like my coach always told me, like, you don't have to run every route in fifth gear, but he can run those routes in like third or fourth gear and just be smooth and just have you falling all over the place. Yeah, and then turn it on. Yes. Yeah, just yeah. His, his change of speed is ridiculous. Okay, what makes George Kittle special? Uh, he's just an animal, you know, mindset-wise. Uh, in blocking people, he just loves dumping people on their head and just, he just plays with, like, people don't want to really get involved with that. He's so physical and he'll just drag five people yeah. down the field. Easily. Yeah. Okay, what about TJ Hawkinson? Because that's somebody that I think is really emerging right now. I mean, similar to George Kittle, honestly, they all come from that tight end factory, you know, mm -hmm. from Iowa. So, uh, ability to block and then make explosive plays in the pass game. He's faster than you think he is. He can yeah. jump higher than you think he can. Mm -hmm. And he's just real, real smooth. I, I noticed that at the Titan University. Like, he's like, I was like, wow, like, he's real smooth. Yeah, he's different, yeah. Okay, what makes Darren Waller special? Um, I would say just a combination of, of speed, uh, route running, versatility from out wide in the slot, hand in the ground, um, being able to pass protect. Uh, run block in the run game mm -hmm. in big personnel groups. So there's nothing on the field that my team doesn't ask me to do. So I feel like just that versatility. Yeah. I mean, it's no secret you are incredibly talented, right? But if we say that a 10 is like peak prime Darren Waller, okay, like that's the ceiling as a 10. Where do you feel like you are at this moment? What wow. Um, yeah, definitely not a 10. I'll probably say like maybe like a 7, 7.5. Okay. Uh, this I feel is like, you in full form. I feel like there's, there's still a lot of growing to do. Yeah. Where, what is that growing? What's in that gap? What will take you from a 7 to a 10? You know, being able to take over games week in and week out, uh, you know, make those winning plays because there's a lot of opportunities where, you know, we lost games like in the last minutes and last seconds. So it's like, you know, making those plays for my teams, like, you know, maybe like a, like a Kobe Bryant would, like they would always lean on him. So it's like being in that role where my team could lean on me. And just like, just as far as like the run game, uh, blocking wise, it's just so something that's so new and foreign to just my body type and my skill yeah. set. So it's just improving in that and the little things, just the things that nobody really notices. Like the, the past game, I feel like I'm, I'm well on my way and continuing to get better, but it's just the run game and those, those little things. How far are you from 10, Darren Waller? You just continue to stack individual days at a time, and you never know when that could happen. You know, I feel like there will never be a time where I'm still playing football and I can't improve at something. So mm -hmm. I feel like I may not even ever get there, but, you know, it is what it is. So when it comes to football, what is driving you on the field? Like, are you a player that says, okay, I want to be the best tight end in the NFL right now? Is that a goal of yours? Or what is the thing that is pushing you to be better when it comes to just playing football? I wouldn't say my goal is to be the best tight end in the NFL because I'm just not really into comparing myself to other people. Mm -hmm. uh, that just doesn't work well as far as my mental approach because I do that and then I'll start worrying about what other people are doing and worrying about stats, this and that. And it's like, that just drains my energy kind of. Mm -hmm. And so I just feel like me giving the best effort I can to, and being the most prepared and have my attitude in a positive manner at all times, that's what success is to me. And then all the results will take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. 
So that's your goal every time you step onto the field. Yeah. And that's how you approach the game. Right. And you have seen that work for you. Yeah, it works yeah. for me and it allows me to, you know, have an impact on the people that are around me and mm-hmm. not just make it all about me and it's my show or anything like that. It's yeah. about, you know, what kind of impact I can have on the people around me. I try to be very conscious of that. Yeah. I remember I read this quote and it said, you should always do it out of love and never for it. I shared that exact quote. Did on- you? On my Instagram probably a few weeks ago. So oh, I know exactly no way. About. You have very good quotes um, on your Instagram stories. So if you aren't following Darren on Instagram, you absolutely should. Because there's always a good quote. You're sharing one. You're posting one. I'm sharing it for me. You know, like, yeah. it's something that convicts me first. And then mm-hmm. I, I feel like it would convict somebody else. Yeah. No, and they, and they definitely do. There's obviously so many things that I want to talk to you about. You are someone who, it is not an exaggeration to say, is a complete open book, um, which I think is important for people to feel like they really understand you and see what they see in themselves and you. So I just applaud all that you do um, and talking about your life and what you've been through and where you're going, I think is really, really important. But something that really struck me when I was watching a lot of interviews um, prepping for this one, obviously a lot of people are talking about the same thing, which is your road to recovery, your addiction. Is that something that you enjoy discussing? Or is it a thing that you just continue to be asked about, if that makes sense? There's there, I mean, there are some times where it's like I do feel I can get repetitive, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it keeps me in the mode that I'm in when I'm talking about it. It yeah. makes me not like, you know, forget what life like used to be like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the kind of thinking and the habits that I left behind, because if I don't you know, do the work that's necessary day in, day out, I could slip back into those. And I do find myself at some times, like my thinking just kind of slipping if I'm just doing, 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 going, going, grinding, grinding, and not focusing on myself. Like, I know that I should on a daily basis, you know, it can start to weigh on me. So I just, talking about it keeps me, yeah, it just keeps me in that that mode. Mm -hmm. You said that sometimes you'll see, find yourself going, 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 and thinking, okay, maybe you might slip. Can you tell me more about what, what that looks like, what that feels like? Yeah, it's just like, I'm so caught up in the performance of my day-to-day. Like, I'm in a performance industry, you know, and just it, my brand matters, my stats matter, all these things matter. And it's just like, and I come across all these people and it's like, they love me for what I do. But it's like, when I take a step back, it's like, what about this is going to end someday? What is it going to be like then? Like, who am I going to be? Like, am I going to be somebody that doesn't know who I am when it's over with? And so it's like, I got to make sure that, you know, in the mornings and the afternoons and the evenings, I'm you know, just checking in and just being still and just listening to what's going on inside me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it's just got to be a good balance. Like even like even this last week, like I feel like kind of overwhelming. I'm just like, I'm going to these events and all these people want to take pictures. And it's just like, all right, like this is this is cool. Like I, I understand what it means to them, but it's like, it's not like they're really trying to get to know me. And so mm-hmm. it's like, I'm spending all my time doing this. Am I matching that amount of time with, you know, journaling or meditating or talking to people in my life that I can really talk about real life shit with. Or, yeah. I don't know if you cuss. You can here. cuss. Cuss as much as you want. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so when you are checking in with yourself, what are the questions you're asking yourself? Like, who are you? It's just like, good to see if I'm, if, you know, my ego wants to attach to football or if it wants to attach to music or if it wants to attach to any of these other things or instead of like, you know, just my values, like making sure that I'm staying on those and then just listening because thoughts are going to come up and then that's where I can kind of sift through them and realize like, you know, I don't have to really go with the narrative that my mind wants to do because it's always just chirping and chirping and chirping and just 
trying to beat me up one minute and then trying to make me think I'm the greatest thing in the world the next minute. So it's just trying to like find that even ground. Yeah. And that's what you're trying to stay on track with every single day. So when you talk about your journey of things that have happened to you, does it make you sad? Does it just make you reflective? Does it make you proud of where you've come? Like what emotions come with discussing it, but then also like discussing it all the time? A lot of times where I can kind of like laugh looking back in a way, and people will kind of be like, how can you even laugh about that kind of stuff? Yeah. But it's like, you know, you you do the work to kind of move on from it and see it in a different way. But I do kind of get sad because there are some times where I'll still think like I don't deserve good things. Uh, even though I may be in this space and there's like a lot of good has happened, I'm still so accustomed to thinking in that mode where things weren't going well mm-hmm. and how like just that place of, you know, suffering and just hopelessness kind of got comfortable. Like I was telling you about the person that was uh, underground. Yeah. And it's just, you get kind of stuck in that mode and now things are going well. It's like, there are days when I can find a way, I just be like, how do I just blow this shit up? And just like, yeah. because some days I can just not really be feeling it. Mm-hmm. But to bring myself out of into the positive, like that's what talking about it does for me. It just put it in the air and it's kind of like, all right, mm-hmm. like it's not as bad as I'm making it seem, you know, I, my mind can make me think I'm alone sometimes. And it's yeah. like, I'm not, alone like people are here for me they love me they support me so i gotta just keep keep talking keep that dialogue going yeah so you feel like in some ways there was like kind of a home in the sorrow like yeah. you can yeah it's like i just got like i said i got comfortable there and there was times where it was like yeah i wanted to change and i would say like yeah i'm about to stop doing these pills on friday and friday would come and i'll be like well no nah, i'm just gonna go through the weekend mm-hmm. and then it's just like you know you get so comfortable and it's like ah, i don't that change seems way harder than just sitting right here, and it does. Mm, can you dive into that more? Because I think that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, you just get so used to, you become a victim, and you start making excuses and justifying why you do certain things, or justifying yeah. why you judge people in a certain way. And it's like, you know, you get comfortable there. And when it's like, when it's time for you to look at your own problems, you know, clean up your own side of the street, that's that's some dirty business that can get pretty nasty and ugly. Yeah. And not a lot of people want to look in that mirror, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's easier to just be where you at and be in the habits that you created. So you said that, you know, sometimes you struggle with saying, okay, do I deserve good things? Or like, do I want to just blow this shit up? Can you give me an example of a time that you have, you have felt that way? I mean, keep it real. It was like a few days ago where I woke up and I was like, man, like I'm here and like, like, I'm here for a reason. God has me here playing football for a reason. But today, I'm not feeling this shit. Like, yeah. like, like fuck this today. Like, for real. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but that's when I can kind of sit down and be still and just, you know, listen to myself and listen to who God is to me. Mm-hmm. And that's when I can, I can come back down and be like, all right, like, you know, you're a little, you're a little over there. You can just come yeah. back over here to the middle a little mm-hmm. bit and relax. Like, this day is going to get better. We haven't even gotten started yet. And you all yeah. the way down there. So just come on back here. And <laughs> Bring can, it back. Yeah. We can figure this thing out. So someone is going to hear that and say, wow, so a few days ago, an NFL player felt like, I just want to blow this shit up. This isn't what I want to do right now. What is your response to that in terms of, right, like just because I do this and you see me doing this and I can catch a football and I can make it touchdown and do all these big plays. There are still times where I'm struggling with so many things that you're still not seeing. Because, you mean, you're like, a few days ago, it's like, well, dang, a few days ago, there was a game. Like, y'all playing good. Like, what is it about that that still can bring you back to certain places? 
I mean, it's just like it's 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 challenging. And, you know, I used to just run from challenges, whether it was like a tough conversation or, mm-hmm. you know, just having to own up to my stuff or having to get my act together. Like I would always just, you know, run from it, whether it be in the forms of drugs and alcohol or or women or anything. Like you can run from things in a lot of different ways. And so that would just be my habit. And now it's like, not nah, like my character now is to just face those things head on. And that can be tough. It's like, I'm not waking up every day like I'm going right towards my challenges. I'm just gonna, you know, this <laughs> let's is gonna, conquer. This is gonna be great <laughs> yeah. today. No, ha- most of the time it's like, man, like I really gotta have this conversation. Or I really need to sit here and reflect on this to really find something that I can take and grow forward with. So yeah, it's not always like football is a challenging game. Just putting up with all the marketing and dealing with all these people, and it's like it's a challenging thing for somebody like me that wants to isolate as well. So it's mm-hmm. in a lot of challenging environments. And just tell myself, like, this challenge is going to help me grow. It's not going to just tear me apart or anything. Like, it's here for me to learn a lesson. And I go on to the next one and just keep going. Mm -hmm. I know you were first introduced when you were 15 years old. Uh, Can you talk to me about that moment? What drug it was you tried? How it happened? Just tell me the story of that day. Yeah, so so leading up to that moment, you know, I was always, like, you know, trying to be, like, almost a goody two shoes kid. Like I was like, yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna drink, not gonna smoke, like kind of seeing it from a place of self-righteousness. Mm-hmm. But then, um, you know, I got to, I was like 15 and I was good at football growing up, but then people started going past me and I was real small, like my yeah. first years of high school. And so I was riding a bench. Yeah. And so I kind of put my eggs into the football basket pretty early on. And then it was just like, well, that's not working. And I wasn't like popular or anything like that. So I was just kind of like lost and feeling, you know, kind of sad. And, you know, my friends presented it in a way that was like, this will make you feel good. And I was like, you know, I'd like to feel good. So, yeah. you know, I'll try it. Like, I got nothing to lose right now. And so I tried it and it was just like, this works. Like, it's like, it makes me feel good. Like, give me the tingles and all that. And then it's also like, my mind's always revving at a thousand miles per hour. It slows my mind down. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, like these people, like, do the same thing I'm doing and it allowed me to make friends. So it's like all those things made it like, oh yeah, this is just, this is just what I do now. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. And never even thought of giving it up for the next 10 years. Yeah. Do people underestimate like how hard it is to fall into drugs? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's or really how easy. easy it yeah. Is I would to fall say, into yeah, drugs. it's yeah. easy. And like looking back, it was like, people was like, weed is a gateway drug. People were like, man, we ain't no gateway drug. I was like, for me, I mean, I see for a lot of people how it is, but mm-hmm. like for me, like I didn't even start with weed. So it was just like a whole different experience. People were like, damn, like you just started with pills. And I was just like, I mean, yeah, I ain't, this is just where, yeah. I, this is where I ended up. Yeah. And so what specifically? You say you started with pills. What? Uh, it was like Percocets, the mm-hmm. you know, pain pills you get from a surgery, oxycodone, hydro, stuff like that. Yeah. Started drinking after that. Then I started smoking weed. Then Xanax, uh, Adderall, cocaine. Uh, Molly, probably like that. Never, never did like, I always say like, I never got to heroin, but it's like, I mean, Percocets are basically heroin in a different form. Like, mm-hmm. it's so, it's not, I'm not better than nobody else because I didn't try yeah. heroin, you know? So it's mm-hmm. just damn near everything. Yeah. One moment you talk about was when you were in your car and you overdosed. Yeah. I believe that was what, 2017? Uh, yep, yeah. August 11, 2017. Yeah, August 11, 2017. In that moment, when you overdosed, did you think like that was it? Like, was that your thought? I did not think it was it, but I was like, I'm about to like pass out or something. Like, yeah. Cause I was, like I said, I was at the grocery store parking lot and 
I was going to like get some beer or something and I was getting out of the car and I was, it was just like, nah, I can't get out of the car. I feel like I'm going to just fall out on the ground and it's like midday. So I was like, nah, let me just sit in the car and just chill. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was actually like, I didn't have the car on. Like I was just sitting there yeah. and just, it was like somebody pulled the TV out from the cord from behind the TV and just the TV just, and yeah. just like just went black. And I feel like I woke up like a second later and it was like nighttime. And I was like, the sweatiest I'd ever been in my life. Mm-hmm. And it was cold and like, just like off. And it was like, it was like, I was like scared. It scared me enough. I was like, yeah, like this is the first time I feel like I'm not in control. Like I always felt like I was in control. Like I was like master manipulator. Like mm-hmm. I could craft words in a way to sell you a dream and mm-hmm. tell you I wasn't doing something that I was doing and just to like a finesser, you know? Yeah. So that's just who I was. And at that point I could no longer like fool, I couldn't fool myself. I could fool everybody else, but I couldn't fool myself. Mm-hmm. So that was scary enough for me to not want to do it ever again. Yeah, it was like that looking in the mirror moment. Yeah. Like, all right, this is something that I'm going to have to change and I have decided. I think you said in an interview that it was fentanyl. Uh, yeah, it had to be because I was picking up the same pills. Like it wasn't like the most absurd amount of pills ever, but it was like what I was had usually been getting and it would have me like, just on the couch, googly-eyed and shit, but, mm-hmm. like, it was something off about that batch, you know? That shit just put me down, like... Yeah. So, I knew there was there was something in it. So, that has been in the news a lot recently. Fentanyl yeah, news. there was a girl from my uh, third-grade class overdosing died last night. No way. There was a girl I used to have a crush on in my third-grade class. Oh, no. Yeah, I hung... I, uh, me and some of my friends, we had a dinner with her, like, back in uh, February. It was around, like, the All-Star Weekend. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, she died last night. So when you see news, not just about like someone you know, specifically just news about like how deadly fentanyl is and how it's affecting people, is that a moment that is sad for you? Is it triggering for you? What is it like when you hear about fentanyl in the news? Because it's it's, happening so much. It's just depressing, you know? Yeah. It doesn't really like, like trigger me or anything, but it's like, it's just like, it's depressing seeing like how people think that these substances can in a way like cure their problems or like make these things go away. There's like, you know, I realized like every time I got high, it was like my problems went away for like a little bit, but it's like as soon as I woke up the next morning or as soon as I came down, it was right outside the door mm-hmm. waiting for me, like, come on, yeah. like you had to deal with me at some point. Yeah. So it's just sad that people think like that's that that's a way out or an escape when it's really like you just delaying, you know, what's mm-hmm. you're gonna have to face at some point. Mm-hmm. So I was listening to your second album. Delusions of Clarity. And there third, was... Third, technically. Third, technically, my bad. <laughs> and there was a lyric in there. I wrote it down and make sure I say it right. Where you talk about depression controlling your mind. I think yeah. that was in the intro song. Uh-huh. Were you saying that in a hyperbolic way, writing the lyric? Or is depression something that you do genuinely struggle with? Um, yeah, it's something that I struggle with, for sure. You yeah. know, it doesn't control my mind like it used to, but it can kind of, you know, dictate my days for a little bit, like it won't be like a stretch of weeks or months at a time, but it could be like a day where I'm just kind of like, man, like, and you know, people may be like, yo, like, what's up? Like, you good? Cause I, usually I'll be like roasting people or like, yeah. you know, just being a goofball. But then it's like some days I'll just be like, you just tell I'm not really with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I'll do what I have to do, but I'm not really like, you know, in my most bubbly form of my personality. Mm-hmm. And so it, it does, it does still show up. Yeah. And uh, it's like the other part of the lyric is like depression control my mind. You wouldn't even know because I'm grinning. Yeah. And it's like, you know, like I said, I can always manipulate and also like 
laugh it off and put a smile on and tell a joke and like, mm-hmm. you know, be in that for the moment. But then it's like, you know, when I'm by myself, it's just like I'm back in that, yeah, back in that hole a little bit. So when I think about you, right, and everything that you have gone through, and then I think about a place like Vegas. Right. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds crazy on paper. Yeah, absolutely. How, I mean, what went through your mind, right? Like, I'm going to be in Vegas. Like, is that something you're like, all right, this could not be great? Like, are those thoughts that you have in your head sometimes? I mean, that's just where I think God is just hilarious sometimes. This is like, yeah, you about to go to where people get down at. Mm-hmm. Like, you done got down there a couple times too. But it's like, you know, you can go there. And it's like, if you're really walking in the way that you supposed to be walking or that you say that you're walking, you know, you can go there and kind of like flip the script. You know, you can go there and be, you could, you could have a good time, have a good time more than anybody else yeah. and be sober. You know, there's no limit to the fun that you can have and you can just go about different things. Like I've developed a new relationship with like nature since I've been out here. So nice. it's, just, it's just things like that. Like you, you can go about your business differently, even though everybody around you uh, may be going about it their way. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to do what they do. Yeah. Are there things that you avoid doing here? Um, I wouldn't necessarily avoid. I just, you know, I just create boundaries, I guess. Like, I'm mm-hmm. just like, ain't no reason for me to go to the club. Like, I don't even enjoy the club. <laughs> like, if I'm going to the Especially club. in Vegas, it's crazy. If I'm going to the club, I'm trying to please somebody else. Or yeah. I'm trying to be seen in front of other people. And it's like, half the time I get there, you know, I could fall asleep standing up in there. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't need to do that. <laughs> I don't, I just don't need to do that. So it's like, yeah. I mean, clubs are the only place where I'm like, yeah, I'm not going. Like, it just doesn't you know, makes sense for me to be there. Like, it's just not how I'm moving. So I'll just say that. As someone who has been so open, and I feel like any football fan, I mean, really any people fan, right? Like, just might know your story. It's something you discuss a lot. Has that affected, like, romantic relationships in your experience? Like, just everyone knows so much about you already. Is there, like, a hesitancy sometimes for people? I feel like it may, like, have people like, whoa, like this, like maybe like a little scary for them, but I feel like that may be like me, another way of me creating a boundary. Like if yeah. you're not getting real like this or like, you know, trying to be this open and vulnerable, like we we ain't, ain't going to be together. Like I'm not going to be with somebody that's out living how I used to live, you know, because mm-hmm. that could be a magnet to attract me back to how I used to live, to my past. So it's just, you know, it just, it's a whole different standard as far as, as dating now, it's just a lot has to go into it. Cause it used to be like, I would date anybody that just wanted me or, you yeah. know, that, you know what I'm saying? Like for that appreciation, that Oh, to be a guy. You know? <laughs> and it's just like, you know, you deserve, you deserve better than that. Yeah, no, absolutely. So talk to me about now, like what you feel you deserve, not just in relationships, but like in life. Cause you seem to have this very strong sense of self, right? And what's right, what's wrong and what you need, what you want, what you don't want, what you don't need. What does that look like for you? You know, for me at this point, you know, it's just working towards like freedom, you know, mm-hmm. just freedom from what other people think, freedom from, you know, my old thinking patterns, because some of them still like to pop their way up, um, you know, just peace and serenity. You know, I don't need I don't need too much. I don't need, you know, the money and all the extra stuff. You know, I just meaningful connections and relationships with people mm-hmm. like whereas before, you know, I would just sabotage so many. And it's like I didn't feel like I deserved them. But now it's like, no, nah, I feel like I'm trying to develop myself in a way where I can be loyal to somebody. Now mm-hmm. I can be, you know, there where somebody can lean on me. It's not just about what I can get from this, you know? So it's just 
little things like that, just peace and serenity and just connection with other people. Like, it's just those little things. Yeah. What stage of your life would you say you're in right now? If you had to title this stage of your life? Transition. Okay. Why transition? I would say transitioning into a space where, you know, I'm not feeling the need to hide as much. Like, I want to isolate, like, in my own time, but it's like, stepping forward into the light where people would, you know, see me at all times. And it's just mm-hmm. like, you know, this whole Aaron Waller thing, like, you know, em- embracing it because it's not about me. Cause it's like me, sometimes I'm just like, man, it's social media shit. Like, man, I delete my Instagram right now, but it's like, yeah. it's bigger than me. Like it's affecting more people. It's, it's not necessarily about me. It's about the impact that it has on others. Mm-hmm. So just trying to transition into that and embracing that and knowing that, you know, I may not always enjoy everything that comes with it. I may want to be left alone, but, you know, me wanting to isolate keeps me from putting that message out there or people being able to interact with me and, you know, feel my energy and be able to take that and continue to pass it on. So it's Mm -hmm. just transitioning to that mode where it's like, all right, I'm I'm embracing everything that comes with this life. Yeah. So transitioning into that, but transitioning out of what? Shame, just playing small, uh, settling. Yeah, uh, not using my voice, not being quiet about things that I want to speak on. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, you know, stepping into that role where it's like having those conversations and saying those things that may be uncomfortable for some people to hear. But it's like, you know, this is the life I'm living. I'm not living it to to see how you would react. Mm-hmm. So are you, would you say you are at peace right now with who you are? Um, I would say with who I am, Yeah. Cause just because I know that I'm giving things like an honest try, you know, I'm trying to live this life the best way that I can mm-hmm. in an authentic way. You know, there's still some some hiccups. I'm not, yeah. I'm far from perfect. If anybody listening, I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. They try, may try to paint that picture sometimes, but that's just not it, you know. So, but I'm at peace with who I am because just the, the effort that I put in to try to, you know, be that person that I think I can become. But then are you at peace in general? Because you were hesitating until I added the, with yourself part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. like I was saying, like this last week been kind of like, who like just, I don't feel like I've been necessarily at peace this last week. I feel like I'm just kind of getting pulled in a million different directions. Yeah. But, you know, last night was a great night for me to kind of realize like, you know, the stuff is cool and it's important, but it's like, it's not the ultimate priority. Mm-hmm. So last night was a chance for me to just like, Went to a meeting, went to uh, went to my therapist, you know what I'm saying? And it was just like a chance for me to just be like, all right, like, let all this shit go for a minute and just yeah. chill out. Yes. Go therapy. I feel like we talk about therapy on the show, like, oh, yeah. ain't all the with, time. Ain't nothing wrong with getting Everyone should try therapy. Get yeah. you a therapist. Yeah. Treat yourself. What is the, like, your main takeaway from therapy so far? What do you think that has helped you with the most in terms of, like, your personality, what you have to work on? I think like reframing things, mm-hmm. you know, because I can just be so quick to be like, beat myself up still, you know, for things. And therapy has allowed me to have a chance to reframe certain things and be like, well, no, no, I can, I can see it in a different way. The first way my mind presents it to me doesn't always have to be the way that I have to go with. Like, yeah. if I want to speak up and say anything about, you know, something that work isn't going the way I want it to, it's like, if I want to go speak on it, it's not like, oh man, it's my ego. I think I'm the biggest guy in the world so I can say whatever I want. It's like, no, like this is something I feel like is really affecting me. And in a team environment, we we communicate honestly. We're like brothers is a brotherhood. We're in this together. So mm-hmm. these things need to be put out there instead of avoid it or let it fester inside me or something, you know? So yeah. it's just 
things like that. I can reframe these things in my mind. I'm not always in the wrong or I'm not always thinking I have a big head or anything like that. It's just like, all right, man, like settle down and let's look at it from an objective perspective. Mm -hmm. And you can just like let it out in there, right? Like there's like a release that comes with with going to therapy. Uh, I saw you say, John Harbaugh, you were in a meeting room and he said, okay, if you don't love football, you should leave. Right. And at that time, you wanted to get up and you wanted to leave. Yes. Because at that time, you did not. Correct. Now, if someone said, if you don't love football, leave. Would you leave? Do you love football again now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love football. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I feel like I'm committed, even though, you know, some days I may not always feel like it. Some days I may kind of be like, man, like, God, like, you got me here, but, you know, mm-hmm. I'm here. But so it's like, you know, I feel like I'm, I love it and I'm, I'm more committed to it, like, no matter the feelings, no matter my energy level, like I'm gonna show up and, and do it because like this team is bigger than me, this sport is bigger than me, and people are like I said, I try to take that perspective everywhere I go, like it's just bigger than me. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Has refocusing into that like kind of saved you in some ways, having that for you? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, it's just like, you know, because I want me naturally as a person, I want things to just be comfortable and you know, the path of least resistance. And it's like, you know, let's just kind of frolic through here and, you know, yeah. this will be fun. But <laughs> Walk it's in like, the park, yeah. And then, but it's like, football is challenging day in and day out. You know, you got to earn that shit every day at practice. Mm-hmm. You know, you're competing against guys and, you know, they're, they're evaluating you every day. So you got to show up and be committed to just growing every single day. Like, mm-hmm. this is such a long season. If you just commit to, you know, I'm improving. As long as this thing is going, I'm improving. Uh, and it just translates over to life. You kind of feel good about yourself because, like, I did everything I could today. Like, good job, me. Like, yeah. let, let's keep going. Let's do this and everything in life. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it saves me. Yeah, I love that. Football saved you. Uh, speaking of, I mean, someone you have just been an amazing peer to uh, is Max Crosby. Talk to me about that relationship and also just what it feels like to know, like, your presence had such a direct and immediate impact on one other person. Uh, Max is incredible, man. Max is... uh you know, real, real cool dude, real smooth cat, you know, but he's like, now he's so dialed in on just taking care of himself and, you know, his craft and just how he wants to live and, you know, you know, who he wants to become. And it's, you know, it's incredible to see because we, you know, been through similar paths and it's just like, we thought living the way that we do now would be like lame and boring. And like, why would we ever do that? That sounds trash, like sober, (laughs) like nah. And so it's just like to see him shining and just like loving every single second of it and just being that energy where it's like, I mean, this man sets the stadium on fire just like with his just being himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's incredible to see. he And he took like, he may have taken things from my experience and uh, I may have impacted him, but he made the choice to, you know, continue to walk in it every single day and still mm-hmm. does. And he doesn't need anybody to motivate him or tell him he got to do this, got to do that. Like he wants to do it and he's convicted to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I admire the most. Oh, I love that. And he has a verse yeah, uh, on your album. Yeah. It's the last song, right? Yeah. Max is such a cool name, like with two X's. Like sounds like a rapper. Max is too cool. Yeah. (laughs) Max is too cool. Why did you call it Delusions of Clarity? Like what does that mean? Um, I mean, the name came to me like a couple of years ago. You know, ideas just, I don't even know where they'd be coming from. I, I swear to God, like he used to be dropping gems and I was just like delusions of clarity just came to me and I was like let me write that down and I just kept it and I kind of started making like a delusions of clarity album in like 2019 this is like when I first started making first started making beats 2018 mm-hmm. and 
some of the songs on there, like, they were dope to me, but I was like, you know, like, I can go harder than this. And I was like, man, let me just, like, scrap that. This was before I even made Wall Street. I came with that name. Okay. And so I just kind of, it's just kind of lingering. I was just like, wow, like, I was developing these songs, and I was just like, nah, this still applies because mm-hmm. it's like, my thinking was so clouded up and just, you know, dark and confused in the past. But it's like, it took that experience to get to a place of clarity. Yeah. And, you know, knowing what my purpose is and knowing why I'm here and, you know, and walking in that with, you know, with conviction. So I feel mm-hmm. like that title definitely fits. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I want to close out with two things. Have you ever played Peak and Pit? Do you know what that is? The Peak and the Pit? I don't know. So... We're going to talk about this past year, okay? And you're going to tell me your peak, which is the highest point that you had this year where you were happiest, right? You're going to tell me your pit, which was the lowest time that you had this year. Uh, you want to start with your peak or your pit? I mean, I think my, I don't know. Uh, I think one of my, my pit might have been, um, I had a teammate uh, in Baltimore that uh, he was the only dude I would hang out with. and you know, we were like, we was on the same wave. Like we were doing, doing the same shit. And he died like of like from using like what we was using back in the day. And so that was rough because it was like, it, it really started to hit home, you know? And that was after, you know, one of my best friends lost his mother uh, to alcoholism. And so it's just like, things just started to hit close to home, you know? And uh, I was just kind of thinking to myself like, Am I really doing like the work that I say that I'm doing? Like, cause you know, these people that I don't even know hear it and it's like, okay, they get it. But it's like, there's people closest to me that are dying, that are still struggling, that are still doing the same thing. Like some of my friends from back home that I kick with a lot, still on the same shit. And it's like, am I really making that kind of impact or is this all just like, or am I really like a fraud kind of thing? And so I feel like that was, you know, a time where I was just, you know, in my head a lot. And it was, it was, you know, tough to shake out because it's like, you know, you want to save people, but it's like, you know, people got to be ready to help themselves and then you can help them. So you're, you're saying it, it just felt like maybe all the things that you were doing weren't adding up to the change that you wanted to see because people you knew personally were yeah. still falling into those same traps and, and substances and things like that. Yeah, it was just like, yeah, all the stuff you're doing, like, it's, it's cute and everything, but it's still not enough because you ain't even making a change to people that's close to you. It's just like, that's the narrative that's going on in my head. So dealing with that was like, it was a little rough. But you do know you are impacting so many people, right? Are you still yeah. today are kind of like, yeah, I don't know. I'm still like ducking that voice a little bit, but it's like, I can see it now. It's like, and I, and I try to verbalize it. Like, I realize like speaking things out loud has more of an impact because like you can think like okay like i'm thinking a positive thought right now but it's like if you say it out loud like no nah, i'm really making an impact like mm-hmm. i'm really doing something that's changing the world and the world's gonna be a better place because i was here because of the way that i'm walking you mm-hmm. say it out loud and it's like it just has a different effect totally you know yeah so that's uh i had to learn how to do that and is there and correct me if i'm wrong but is there like an element of almost like guilt when someone that you know is in a place that you once were but you no longer are in yeah it's like yeah because like you know it's like i have the you know i've been through it you know i kind of have an idea of what it takes to you know see things on the other side but it's like and then i think that my ego thinks that that directly applies to me going and 
taking that person and walking them through everything and making them, but it's like, no, nah, they have to have their own experience. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I have to view that voice as like, no, nah, that's, that's irrational. I'm not attaching myself to that. And I'm not going to allow that to be what's going on in my head. So mm-hmm. it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a battle day yeah. at, like at all times. Well, I mean, you have affected so many people, but you know, you can always think, I know I directly affected Max. So, you know, like there is like a huge impact that you were having on, on so many players, people, whoever, just human beings. So right. let's keep that with you. Uh, your peak. Mm, my peak. Um, I would say it was probably like a month ago. Uh, my foundation, uh, we started giving grants to people to uh, go to a treatment at this place called Landmark Recovery. It's like North Vegas, not too far from here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you they give me like the grant applications of people like age 18 to 26 that don't really have the money to pay for it themselves yeah. and or the insurance or anything. And so it's like, I approved the grants. I see the names on there. And uh, there's Heather, Greg, and Desmond. And you see the names like, okay, like this, like they could benefit from this, from reading like their profile and their story and everything. And then they go through the program. But then it's like, I go to the place and I actually got to meet them. Oh, great. And they like, were just like oozing with like gratitude and just, uh, and just hearing their stories. Like, you know, Heather was like, in that prison and has a child and is like, you know, trying to turn her life around. And she was like, this experience is what is allowing me to do that. Yeah. And it was like a, this dude, Desmond, who was, he said he was just like walking out in the desert, like, was just like, so he was just like over this shit and was like, you know, thought he was going to die out there because he was walking around like no water, not eating nothing. Mm-hmm. And he was like, this being here in this program has, has changed me and like, you know, I have a new outlook on life and new hope. And it's just like mm. being around them and just talking to them, it was crazy. And it was like, you know, they, they uh, you know, foundation, they try to like get the word out to people. So there's like cameras and new people there. Yeah. And so I thought it was gonna be like a five minute thing. I kind of like shake their hand and make it look cute. But it was like, we were sitting there talking for like 45 minutes and the news people That's were just great. like, like what is that? And it was just, it was awesome to connect with them. Yeah. And realize like, like this moment where it's like, I can be on my head and be like, am I really impacting people? Like, but they were there like, Bro, Living, thank, breathing. Thank like, yeah. thank you. And I was just like, wow, this is this is a bit crazier than anything on a football field or mm-hmm. anything like that. Oh, I love that. Well, you were a pleasure. Uh, you are easily one of my favorite people that I have interviewed. And not because I think you're perfect, but because, like, I know you're not. Because you tell us. Because you talk about everything that you've been through and where you're going. So I deeply appreciate the time. But you got to end with your favorite quote since you're, like, quote master. And I love quotes. Like, I have quotes in this show all the time. So tell me your favorite. It's tough, man. Uh, <laughs> the one I go with is uh, Winston Churchill. Shout out to Winston Churchill. Shout out to Winston. I got him tied on my ankle. <laughs> Shout out Winston Churchill. For real. <laughs> I've uh, never heard anyone say that. <laughs> hey, nah, but uh, he said, uh, success is moving from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. Mm, shout out to Winston. Yeah. What do you take from that? For me, it's like success isn't always in the in the results, but more so like uh, just how I show up every day, like my process, you know, the the impact that I leave. It's not about, you know, anything that's in a bank account or yeah. in the driveway or anything like that. It's just, you know, I can fail and fall on my face in a thousand times, but I can still live a life that is impactful and has meaning. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to fit 
an image or be like, you know, everything's great over here. Like yeah. shit can suck, yeah. but I can still, you know, consider myself successful because I'm putting forth the effort and trying to live life with the right attitude and just the right perspective. Yes, and success is what you make it. 